Chapter six of the Life of Thomas Lord Cochrane, tenth Earl of Dundonald, Volume One, by Henry Richard Fox Bourne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Timothy Ferguson, eighteen ten to eighteen seventeen. To an understanding of Lord Cochrane's share in the South American Wars of Independence, a brief recapitulation of their antecedents and of the state of affairs at the time of his first connection with them is necessary the spanish possessions in both north and south america which had reached nearly their full dimensions before the close of the sixteenth century had been retained with little opposition from without and with still less from within down to the close of the eighteenth century these possessions including mexico and central america new granada venezuela peru la plata and chile covered an area larger than that of europe more than twice as large as that of the present united states through half a dozen generations they had been governed with all the short-sighted tyranny for which the spanish government is famous the resources of the countries had been crippled in order that each day's greed might be satisfied and the inhabitants who for the most part were the mixed offspring of spanish and native parents had been kept in abject dependence and in ignorant ferocity there was plenty of internal hatred and strife but no serious thought of winning their liberty and working out their own regeneration seems to have existed among the people of the several provinces until it was suggested by the triumphant success of the united states in throwing off the stronger but much less oppressive thraldom of great britain that success having been achieved however it was soon emulated by the colonial subjects of spain the first leader of agitation was francisco miranda a venezuelan creole he visited england in seventeen ninety and received some encouragement in his revolutionary projects from pitt he went to france in seventeen ninety two and there while waiting some years for a fit occasion of prosecuting the work on which his heart was set he helped to fight the battle of the revolution against the bourbons and the worn-out feudalism of which they were representatives during his absence in seventeen ninety four conspiracies against spain arose in mexico and new granada and these continuing he went in seventeen ninety four armed by secret promises of assistance from pitt to help in fomenting them they prospered for several years and in eighteen o six miranda obtained substantial aid from sir alexander cochrane lord cochrane's uncle then the admiral in command of the west india station but in eighteen o six pitt died the whigs came into power and with their coming occurred a change in english policy in eighteen o seven general crawford was ordered to throw obstacles in the way of miranda then heading a formidable insurrection the result was a temporary check to the work of revolution in eighteen ten miranda renewed his enterprise in venezuela still with poor success and in the same year a fresh revolt was stirred up in mexico by miguel hidalgo of costilla a priest of dolores hidalgo's insurrection was foolish in design and bloodthirsty in execution it was continued in better spirit but with poor success by morleos and rayon who sustaining a serious defeat in eighteen fifteen left the strife to degenerate into a coarse bandit struggle very disastrous to spain but hardly beneficial to the cause of mexican independence in the meanwhile a more prosperous and worthier contest was being waged in south america besides the efforts of miranda in venezuela which were renewed between eighteen ten and eighteen twelve when he was taken prisoner and sent to spain there to die in a dungeon a separate standard of revolt was raised in quinto by narino and his friends in eighteen o nine 
after fighting desperately in guerrilla fashion for five years narino was captured and forced to share miranda's lot a greater man the greatest hero of south american independence simon bolivar succeeded them bolivar a native of caracas had passed many years in europe when in eighteen ten at the age of twenty seven he went to serve under miranda in venezuela miranda's defeat in eighteen twelve compelled him to retire to new granada but there he did good service he improved the fighting ways and extended the fighting arena and in december eighteen fourteen was appointed captain-general of venezuela and new granada soon however to be driven back and forced to take shelter in jamaica by the superior strength of murillo the spanish general who arrived with a formidable army in eighteen fifteen in eighteen sixteen bolivar again showed himself in the field at the head of his famous liberating army which crossing over from trinidad and gaining reinforcements at every step planted freedom such as it was all along the northern parts of south america in which the new republic of colombia was founded under his presidency in the neighbouring district of new granada and down to la plata province where he established the republic of bolivia so named in his honour with these patriotic labours he was busied upon land while lord cochrane was securing the independence of the spanish colonies by his brave warfare on the sea as the cause of liberty progressed in south america it became apparent that it had poor chance of permanence while the revolutionists were unable to cope with the spaniards in naval strife or to wrest from spain her strongholds on the coast this was especially the case with the maritime provinces of chile and peru peru held firmly by the army garrisoned in lima to which Calao served as an almost impregnable port had been unable to share in the contest waged on the other side of the andes and chile though strong enough to declare its independence was too weak to maintain it without foreign aid the chilean struggle began in eighteen ten when the spanish captain-general carrasco was deposed and a native government set up under count de la conquista by this government the sovereignty of spain was still recognised although various reforms were adopted which spain could not be expected to endorse accordingly in april eighteen eleven an attempt was made by the spanish soldiers to overturn the new order of things the result was that after brief fighting the revolutionists triumphed and the yoke of spain was thrown off but the independence of chile thus easily begun was not easily continued three brothers jose miguel juan jose and luis carreras and their sister styled the anne boleyn of chile determined to pervert the public wheel to their own aggrandizement winning their way into popularity they overturned the national congress that had been established in june and in december set up a new junta with jose miguel carrera at its head a dismal period of misrule ensued which encouraged the spanish generals pareja and sanchez to attempt the reconquest of chile in eighteen thirteen pareja and sanchez were successfully resisted and a better man general bernardo o'higgins the republican son of an irishman who had been viceroy of peru was put at the head of affairs he succeeded to the command of the chilean army in november eighteen thirteen when a fresh attack from the spaniards was expected at first his good soldiership was successful the enemy having come almost to the gates of santiago was forced to retire in may eighteen fourteen and the chilean cause might have continued to prosper under o'higgins had not the carreras contrived in hopes of reinstating themselves in power to divide the republican interests and so while encouraging renewed invasion by the spaniards from lima make their resistance more difficult wisely deeming it right to set aside every other consideration than the necessity of saving chile from the danger pressing upon it from without o'higgins effected a junction with the carreras hoping thus to bring the whole force of the republic against the royalist army 
larger than its predecessors, which was marching towards Santiago and Valparaiso. Had his magnanimous proposals been properly acted upon, the issue might have been very different, but the Carreras, even at the most urgent hour of danger, could not forget their private ambitions. Holding aloof with the most part of their army, they allowed O'Higgins and his force of nine hundred to be defeated by four thousand royalists under General Osorio in the preliminary fight which took place at the end of September. They were guilty of like treachery during the great battle of the 1st of October. On that day, the royalists entered Rancagua, the town in which O'Higgins and his little band had taken shelter. They were fiercely resisted, and the fighting lasted through 36 hours. So brave was the conduct of the patriots that the Spanish general was, after some hours' contest, on the point of retreating. He saw that he could have no chance of success had the Carreras brought up their troops, as was expected by both sides of the combatants. But the Carreras, short-sighted in their selfishness and nothing loath that O'Higgins should be defeated, still held aloof. Thereupon the Spaniards took heart and made one more desperate effort. With hatchets and swords they forced their way inch by inch and hour by hour into the centre of the town. There, in an open square, O'Higgins, with two hundred men, all the remnant of his little army, made a last resistance when only a few dozen of his soldiers were left alive and when he himself was seriously wounded he determined not to surrender but to end the battle the residue of the patriots dashed through the town cutting a road through the astonished crowd of their opponents and effected a retreat in which those opponents though more than twenty times as numerous durst not pursue them that memorable battle of rancagua caused throughout the american continent and across the atlantic through europe a thrill of sympathy for the chilean war of independence but its immediate effects were most disastrous the carreras too selfish to fight before were now too cowardly they and their followers fled o'higgins had barely soldiers enough left to serve as a weak escort to the fourteen hundred old men women and children who crossed the andes with him on foot to pass two years and a half in voluntary exile at mendoza during those two years and a half the spaniards were masters in santiago and chile was once more a spanish province in which the inhabitants were punished terribly in confiscations imprisonments and executions for their recent defection deliverance however was at hand general san martin through whom chiefly la plata had achieved its freedom gave assistance to o'higgins and the chilean patriots the main body of the spanish army numbering about five thousand had been stationed on the heights of chacabuco whence santiago valparaiso and the other leading towns of chile were overawed on the twelfth of february eighteen seventeen san martin and o'higgins with a force nearly as large surprised this garrison and with excellent strategy and very little loss of life to the patriots at any rate it was entirely subdued santiago was entered in triumph on the fourteenth of february and a few weeks served for the entire dispersion of the royalist forces the supreme directorship of the renovated republic was offered to san martin on his declining, the honour was assigned to the satisfaction of all parties to O'Higgins. The new dictator and the wisest of his councillors, however, were not satisfied with the temporary advantage that they had achieved. They knew that armies would continue to come down from Peru, the defeat of which, even if it could be relied upon, would waste all the resources of the Republic. They knew, too, that the Spanish warships, which supplied Peru with troops and ammunition from home, passing the Chilean coast on their way, would seriously hinder the commerce on which the young state had to depend for its development, even if they did not destroy that commerce at its starting point by seizing Valparaiso and the other ports. Therefore, they resolved to seek for efficient help from Europe. With that end, Don José Alvarez, a high-minded patriot who had done much good service to Chile in previous years, 
was immediately sent to Europe, commissioned to borrow money, to build or borrow warships, and in all ways in his power to enlist the sympathies of the English people in the Republican cause. In the last of these projects, at any rate, he succeeded beyond all reasonable expectation. Reaching London in April 1817, Alvarez was welcomed by many friends of South American freedom, Sir Francis Burdett, Sir James Mackintosh, Mr. Henry Brougham, and Mr. Edward Ellis, among the number. Lord Cochrane was just then out of London, fighting his amusing battle with the sheriffs and bailiffs of Hampshire, but as soon as that business was over, he took foremost place among the friends of Don Alvarez and the Chilean cause which he represented. With a message to him, indeed, Alvarez was specially commissioned. He was invited by the Chilean government to undertake the organisation and command of an improved naval force, and so, by exercise of the prowess which he had displayed in the Mediterranean and elsewhere, to render invaluable service to the young republic. He promptly accepted the invitation, being induced thereto by many sufficient reasons. Sick at heart, as we have seen, under the cruel treatment to which for so many years he had been subjected by his enemies in power, he saw here an opportunity of, at the same time, escaping from his persecutors, returning to active work in a profession very dear to him, and giving efficient aid to a noble enterprise. End of chapter 6. Recording by Timothy Ferguson, Gold Coast, Australia.